0: Prepare to be captivated by the Business Story of the Week, hosted by me, Shaheen Shan. Join us on a journey through the twists and turns of entrepreneurial triumphs and setbacks. Immerse yourself in the narrative and witness the magic that
1: turns dreams into reality. This is Business Story of the Week. And welcome back once again, ladies and gentlemen. We... Are back here in Business Story of the Week. I am your host, Joshua. And today, like we always do, we navigate the world of entrepreneurship, business, and innovation. And today, we have ourselves quite the innovator and the leading voice in a very particularly um, advancing or rather, you know, uh, field that. More people need to know. More people need to hear about this. Benjamin Lightburn is a proven entrepreneur and leader specializing in the research, development, and commercialization of novel extraction technologies. He is currently applying this experience to the development of natural psychedelic medicines as CEO and co-founder of Filament Health, a natural psychedelic drug development company. Filament is the first company to enter psychedelic drugs developed directly from natural sources like plants and fungi into clinical trials. Prior to this, all studies of psychedelics have been done on synthetic manufactured products. Filament is studying its mushroom-based psilocybin as a treatment for substance use disorders like opioids and stimulant use disorder. And more than a dozen other companies and academic centers around the world are using the company's drugs in trials of depression, chronic pain, and other disorders. Ben, this is really something that uh, is particularly interesting to me. It's something that I've dabbled with as well. But before we get into it, thank you for being here. How are you doing? Thank you for being here.
0: <laughs> You're very welcome. It's a it's a pleasure. I'm I'm doing very well. Thanks.
1: Fantastic, Ben. Um, you you've you've quite. I believe you've done a lot of advances, or you've done quite a lot of work now surrounding the natural psychedelic um, field and psychedelic field in general, I would say. But before we get into that, I always like to start from the beginning. You know, I always like to start it the way I do, from where it all began. First of all, Ben, what is your story? Where where did you find the inspiration to get into psychedelics? And um, was there anything that happened, particularly maybe in your childhood life, maybe your family background? What is the story of Ben Lightburn?
0: Well, the, I guess there's kind of two stories. There's how did I get into botanical extraction and then also how did I get into psychedelics because they're right. a, little bit, yes. a little bit different but they're now very closely related, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, the story of how I got into um, botanical extraction is uh, essentially just kind of like by coincidence. I was in university. I was getting a degree in physics and uh, I was looking for a summer job and I happened to get in touch with a guy who had a startup company dedicated to the commercialization of a novel extraction technology known as microwave assisted solvent extraction. And I had a third job in his his lab, um, as well. And, um, eventually started working there after graduation and we learned all about how to extract new cancer drugs from plant sources. Uh, and it was very, very interesting to me. Um, uh, I sort of always known that you know certain drugs uh, come from natural sources, but I didn't really know how the sausage was made. And at this company, I learned a lot about different kinds of biomass, different kinds of extraction ratios, different solvents, you know, all the kind of nuts and bolts of how do you actually do extraction. Um, from that company, I moved to a different company um, where we were focused more on ingredients for the supplement industry, the cosmetics industry. Uh, the food and beverage industry, the pharma industry. Um, at that company, I eventually became CEO. We raised a, a fair amount of uh, angel and venture capital money, and we sold the company in the
1: right.
0: in the summer of 2018. And this really gave the experience of how to build a company, how to make a team, uh, how to raise money, how to go through an exit. You know all these kinds of. Uh, things, you know, a little bit more one step removed from the actual making of the of the botanical extracts. And so if you think back to 2018, the psychedelics Mm -hmm. industry is really just kind of getting started or having its renaissance, I guess, you know, one of its many beginnings. And we had just myself and my team from this recently exited company, um, we were kind of looking around for a new project. And The thing that struck us about psychedelics, first and foremost, was the ability to make products that have the potential to help so many people, right? You know, in our previous company, we've been making, you know, dietary supplement ingredients like green tea extract and blueberry extract and this great and we're making them with an environmentally friendly process and, you know, they're being sold for, you know, supplements for new mothers and things like that. It's great. But it's not like psychedelics, right? Psychedelics, you have this huge opportunity to make products that can affect the lives of Probably at the end of the day, every single person on this planet um, by treating some of the most intractable and serious concerns that we're dealing with Mm -hmm. all across societies, all around, all around the world. In in addition, what was crying out to us was the need for somebody with the skills and experience to make these products naturally. Because at the time, all clinical research had been done with synthetically manufactured psychedelic drugs. Right. and there's not there's nothing really wrong with synthetic psychedelic drugs yes. they're being shown mm-hmm. to be safe and effective but it's okay. important to remember that humanity has been using psychedelics for thousands of years and mm-hmm. only in the last few decades have there been uh, synthetic psychedelics synthetic. right mm-hmm. the the historical connection to all of these substances by and large is through a naturally manufactured substance and, and many people prefer natural substances in all areas of their life, right? Like people aren't asking for more synthetic food coloring or yes. synthetic flavor products or, you know, more synthetic toothpaste, right? The trend is to more yes. natural ingredients. And so yes. we thought that it would be very important for the eventual psychedelics market to at least have the option of a natural product as opposed to a synthetic right. product. And obviously we had all of the necessary skills and expertise, not in not just in manufacturing, but also in company building and all that kind of stuff. So yes. it was a kind of a it w- it was it was almost like a blindingly obvious thing that we couldn't avoid. It was like yes. you have the ability to make products that can help millions of people, something that's using all of your experience perfectly in a mm-hmm. large gaping hole in a new and growing market to fill with mm-hmm. natural products.
1: Mm-hmm. But that's now. Okay. So you got into botanical extraction and you, what was this method called? Microwave assisted,
0: yeah, microwave assisted solvent extraction. So th- this was wow. way back. This is three companies ago.
1: Wow, that's crazy. So it, it, the the method existed years ago, and then you encountered this. You got into the psychedelics, and you got into this field of natural psychedelic extraction, basically. And now you have Filament Health, which is Basically innovating psychedelic magazine because you guys are doing it in a natural way. Um, you mentioned, I like, I like to highlight this a bit. You mentioned the psychedelic renaissance of 2018 because um, of course we all know the the hippie era where this, the the re, the this advent, so to speak, of the psychedelics really started getting into the mainstream. Um Going from that, from from the mindset back then in that era to this Renaissance now, to me it feels like now is when we are really starting to look at its health benefits. Back then it was more feeling; it feels more like it was recreational. Of course, there was nothing wrong with that, right? It was it was um it was it's the advent. Everyone was enjoying it. There was peace. There was love everywhere. Everyone was enjoying. But now we're seeing it medical benefits. Um, What are the things that that you saw that coming from that era to now, especially coming into the natural psychedelics? Because back then, that era was also, you know, like um, LSD, which is synthetic, right? One of the more popular ones back then. What were the challenges and breakthroughs that you saw different from both timeframes, especially now approaching a more... Natural approach to psychedelics.
0: So, although LSD is predominantly, obviously, manufactured synthetically, it was discovered on, on mm-hmm. a fungus. It is an actual natural product as well, uh, yes. even though it is oh, right. uh, by far and away manufactured synthetically. Um, right. Okay, I think probably the the biggest differences between the you know 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Um, and today in terms of uh, the psychedelic industry are the rigor of the clinical trials that are being conducted. Um, Mm -hmm. And also that rather than psychedelics being promoted as a recreational market, as you say, the majority of the psychedelics, at least The legal psychedelics market these days, Mm -hmm. the majority of it is focused on a therapeutic market, not a recreational market, right? So we're talking about treating um, uh, diseases with FDA approved drugs, right? Rather than making um, uh, new recreational substances. People are always going to take recreational uh, psychedelics. And in fact, it's that's Mm -hmm. growing in popularity Very, very fast, but Mm -hmm. for the foreseeable future, that will all remain illegal, Um, even though, you know, many people would probably prefer that it would be legal so that the consumers can enjoy some kind of a regulated, safer supply than what they currently enjoy, which is completely unregulated products that in a certain kind of ironic twist, they kind of appear that they're legal, but they're actually not illegal, they're not legal, right? Um, you know, we're talking about like chocolates and gummies and, you know, capsules and things that have packaging that makes them look as though they're legal, but they're definitely not. Um, so that would be, I think the biggest difference is that most of what the focus on now is on FDA approved clinical trials, investigating the efficacy for, you know, hardcore diseases, like in our case, substance use disorders, right? We are... Looking to treat um, opioid addiction and Mm -hmm. stimulant addiction and Mm -hmm. depression and PTSD and all these different kinds of things, um, um, which they were trying to do as well back in the 50s and 60s. But the clinical trials at that time did not enjoy the same uh, rigorous standards that we have today.
1: Right. So I want to highlight on that clinical trials because this is important to, you know, an important perspective for the audiences who. We probably aren't as exposed because you know like when when there's still some sort of stigma that is stuck with psychedelics you know when now but we when we start connecting that there are rigorous clinical trials surrounding it then maybe we'd start feel safer about it but yeah. tell me about tell me about that Ben in that in the sense that it is still illegal like you said it looks legal, maybe, because we're starting to do clinical trials. But it's the bottom line; it's still illegal. That seems to be the biggest challenge right now. Yeah, sure. It's nice to hear that. Um, uh, to hear the news that wow, it's it's showing results in depression, people with depression, people with addiction. Those are all good news. But why I can't, I still can't use it. It's still illegal. Um, how are you seeing that challenge? be, how do you facing that challenge and how can people deal with that better? And I guess, how long do we, are we looking at before it becomes legal?
0: (laughs) Well, it is kind of frustrating, right? That we have substances that humans have used for thousands of years that Mm -hmm. were made illegal, largely for racist and political reasons back in the seventies. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, it's important Mm -hmm. that people question the status quo right like
1: yes of course
0: why were these drugs made illegal right why should the default state be we're afraid and it's illegal and drugs are bad and i'm just talking about psychedelics here right like psychedelics have a completely different safety and dependency profile than Pretty much every other recreational drug that exists, right? They're shown yes. to be safer than alcohol, safer than cannabis, mm-hmm. safer than nicotine. Certainly, mm-hmm. like safer than all these things. So we're we're just we're just talking about psychedelics, but they mm-hmm. were caught up in the war on drugs, right? Of course. So yes. it's important that people do question, you know, why do we have the status quo? And I think when it's described to people, most people would think that the status quo doesn't make sense. Um, that being said. These are very powerful drugs. And if we're going to use them to treat very serious conditions, we'd better be sure that they're safe and we better be sure that they work because we don't wanna be advertising things falsely, right? And so for that reason, that's why we must do clinical trials. Just like, you know, if you take a, a random dietary supplement, like say ginger extract, right? And if you're gonna claim that ginger extract cures cancer, you had better have done clinical studies that show that it's actually effective for the treatment of cancer right mm-hmm. but at the same time people can go to the dietary supplement store and buy ginger extract that just says you know maintains overall wellness or whatever the case may be yeah. the difference with psychedelics is that no sort of like nutraceutical option exists because of the prohibition
1: yes mm-hmm. and that th- it adds to that frustration right because there's all these other supplements out there all claiming to, you know, cure cancer, which is, you know, something that really frustrates me. And you have these actual, you know, substances that are giving real results that we are looking at. Um, what is, what does the fight look like? Are we winning the war on this? Are we going to get some legal, you know, um, legality into this? Are the clinical trials opening up much more now? Um, and will it be available to the public? How is that likely going to happen? Uh,
0: luckily, I think the tide is turning, right? And mm-hmm. we, although there are probably more differences than there are similarities with the cannabis, what happened with cannabis, one yeah. of the things that did happen is many different states legalized cannabis, the sky hasn't fallen down, right? The world hasn't ended. Um, and we're kind of seeing that same thing repeat with psychedelics. And so we already have two States that have legalized, um, um, psychedelics or psilocybin at least in the case of Oregon. And in fact, Oregon already has the rules and there is already legal sales happening in Oregon state right now. Um, so it it is happening, and so if people are frustrated, that. I would encourage them to get in touch with their local you know um, local legalization of plant medicine alliance. Every state has mm-hmm. one, get a ballot measure together, you know and the, the people have power in, in this situation, and eventually we might um, hope to see some broader regulatory change which would enable mass legalization of, of psychedelics for you know just average people for in when we're talking about approved drugs, however, the process Mm -hmm. will always stay the same, right? If we're talking about curing or treating Mm -hmm. depression or, you know, the actual diagnosed conditions that will always have to be um, approved Mm -hmm. as a drug. But luckily the FDA, which is the Mm -hmm. organization that's responsible for reviewing and approving drugs, they do actually Mm -hmm. seem to be fairly on board with the idea of psychedelics as approved medicine. And I say that because they've given multiple psychedelics, what's known as breakthrough therapy status, meaning that oh, wow. they are very promising and, you know, they might treat conditions that are very hard to treat or some other thing that, that basically means the FDA is giving you kind of like a little gold star as you go through the development process. So the FDA is kind of saying that we're, that we are right. certainly very open to receiving um, right. psychedelic drug applications.
1: That's, that's great. I, you called it a gold star. I, I would have called it just a silver lining, you know, but it is very positive it's knowing that the FDA is actually pretty on board with this. It's also great. Of course, like Oregon is also one of the first state that legalized cannabis if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. go Oregon, right? What go was Oregon. The other state? Colorado. Colorado, of course, same, same. The other state that also first legalized um, cannabis. This is fantastic news, I I believe, for a lot of people, especially knowing that the treatment, the current treatment of substance use disorders that we have right now isn't perfect, right? But it's really the only one that we have. And this is something that resonates with me and resonates to a lot of families and friends that I know, and particularly, of course, to some of our audiences as well, in that the current treatment to not just substance use, but to mental health overall, the medication and the treatment being used for it, it has a lot of side effects, a lot. And it's unfortunate because it's the only thing that we have right now. And it's great that there is research that's going into this. I, my question is kind of two-pronged, but first is that um, what are the biggest significant impacts that you've seen by, with the use of natural psychedelics over synthetic ones? and I mean, I'm sure that the FDA also is um, also on board with some of this synthetic treatments, but is there a particular difference? And are there, are there any stories that you could probably share us that stands out in your memory?
0: We haven't done any... Um direct comparison studies between our natural drugs and synthetic drugs. Um, and the reason for that is quite simply that we are more concerned with demonstrating the efficacy of our own product in an indication yeah. rather than proving whether it's better or worse than another right. one, right? right. Like the, the goal of a drug is to get a product that you know works um, um, and, and, and get it approved. Um, so we haven't done any direct comparisons. However, there are people now that have taken both products and there are Mm -hmm. clinical trial sites that have given Mm -hmm. our product and have also given synthetic product. And there are kind of vague anecdotal hints that the product may act differently in, uh, in, in patients. Um, in Canada, we have a program called the health Canada special access program and this is a program where people can request access to unauthorized drugs like psilocybin uh, for instance Mm -hmm. and there are people in that program that have taken both synthetic and natural and they they report that they prefer natural um we've heard from different clinical trial sites that our product even though it's standardized to the same amount of psilocybin um Mm -hmm. Appears to have a faster onset time and Mm -hmm. um, has a higher intensity and a shorter overall duration. But again, it's Mm -hmm. it's you can't really draw any firm conclusions because they weren't done in the exact same patient population in in a control in a controlled study. But it is very interesting to Mm -hmm. see that there are probably some differences
1: that that's actually very interesting but of course right and a lot of this could be anecdotal as well and a lot of it could be you know just like um uh, it's so early on right it's so early on into this whole that even synthetic and natural is kind of just we're still figuring out what the true potential is and how yeah. we can safely apply both in a clinical setting which is so which is so you know interesting and hopefully that happens sooner than later Um, Ben, tell us a few stories, any stories in particular that, um, that, you know, that you saw like an improvement, perhaps in the case of depression, Mm in the case of anxiety and addiction. We'd love to know that. Let us know. A a
0: couple of, a couple of cases come to mind. The
1: other,
0: the other day, um, I had a physician phone me up and he had recently given um, our drug to a patient suffering from end of life distress in Canada. And this Mm -hmm. is when people develop, you know, fear, anxiety, grief about uh, Mm -hmm. typically a terminal cancer diagnosis or something like that. And they really have trouble with their daily life in the face of this, you know, very significant, you know, challenge that they're, that they're facing. Mm -hmm. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's not only them, but it's their family. It's their care yes. team. It's everyone around them has a yes. has a really tough a time of it, and the physician relayed his experience in administering this drug, and I had goosebumps simply from him saying, you know, how impactful of an experience it was for everybody in the room, for him, mm-hmm. for the patient, for the family. You can see people report like a visible kind of like relief of this like grief and guilt and, and shame that people feel that they, they might be leaving their family members behind or, you know, guilt that, you know, they will be leaving it burning and then and then the, the, the relationships with their family members being severely impacted. And so the 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 fact that the physician took time out of his day to phone and say, thank you for this drug, it's made a huge difference. And you could just feel the emotion and the passion in his voice, that was very, very impactful to me. Um, another story that comes to mind is um, a patient in one of our trials that was investigating alcohol use disorder. And mm-hmm. um, af- after the session, the patient inquired of the therapist, you know, why, why are you guys holding me down? Like, why were you like holding me against my will? And the therapist said, well, actually we weren't. And as they further discussed, what had happened to the patient was that he was reliving a traumatic experience from his past. And that experience was that he had been held down while his girlfriend had been sexually assaulted in front of him while he was being held down. And because of that traumatic experience, he started abusing alcohol. And he had been abusing alcohol for decades until he did this psychedelic therapy with our natural drug and after that he no longer felt the need to drink so he again this is just one patient this is completely anecdotal story but it was the idea that by reliving this past traumatic experience Mm -hmm. uh, observing it objectively Mm -hmm. coming to terms with the fact that it wasn't his fault that he he can release perhaps his guilt and his shame and all these different things and it was all of this kind of like bottled up trauma horrible yeah. experience that happened to him the 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 easiest way or the you know the the way that he dealt with it at the time was to kind of like numb the pain with alcohol but now that he can kind of figure out how to get rid of it a little bit he doesn't feel the need to drink anymore and that, that was just that that's a, a story that has stuck with me for sure Um, because uh, it's this is someone who probably drank 10 to 20 drinks a day every day for the last 40 years. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. And these, these are, these are great stories. And those are exactly the stories that I wanted our audience to hear and to be informed about, because these are real results. You know, these are real life results that we are seeing that seemingly hard, very difficult cases that, You know, even our current treatments and um, mental medications seem to not be able to, you know, um, to wrap our heads around. But then psychedelics is coming in and they're actually bringing people to, you know, to face their own problems, their own fears and their own anxieties. and. Uh, yeah, I love that the audience knows that, and it's. I think it's an important message to put out there. Um, ben, what is the current focus of filament health? Um, of course, you are now currently. You, you mentioned natural psychedelics and your extraction of it. Um, tell us a bit more about that. What is the 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 product that most you are uh, most clinical trials are being used in clinical trials and these treatment options uh, in mental health and addiction.
0: Our main product is a product called PEX10. It is a botanical Mm -hmm. drug standardized in psilocybin, which is extracted from the magic mushroom. Um, Mm -hmm. And our primary focus is to develop that drug for substance use disorders, including Mm -hmm. opioid and stimulant use disorders. Uh, Mm -hmm. we have, we recently got the FDA to approve, uh, an IND that we opened, um, for an Mm -hmm. opioid use disorder study. Um, and, and again, like you said, you know, current treatments for, um, substance use disorders are severely lacking or in the case of stimulant use disorder, you know, non-existent. And so we think Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. psychedelics, especially psilocybin may provide a very good treatment option because there is lots of now good research showing that psychedelics work for other areas of addiction there is research from the 70s where you know they studied LSD for opioid addiction and so it does seem to be a very promising thing to 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 study and obviously very very large addressable markets uh yeah. you know large patient populations and you know for opioid use disorder existing therapies are predominantly, you know, substitution therapy, right? Where you right. go on a on a different opioid, uh, but a pharmaceutical grade, um, uh, longer half-life opioid.
1: Wow, okay, right. So those are very important. And, and I think it gives an optimism, so to speak, Ben. It gives us this, like, hopefully in my case, you know, hopefully it reaches it sooner than later, you know, but right now we are in the infant stages of this movement. Um, uh, uh, I'd like to give this opportunity right now to ask you, um, what are the future aspirations of Ben Lightmer of filament health? You did mention that you're, uh, continuing to develop this, uh, 10 drug that you have, but what else are you seeing in the leading into the natural psychedelics industry heading into the next five to 10 years? What role do you think filament play in shaping the future? Of natural psychedelic treatment?
0: Well, we're always going to be the champion of natural drugs. Um, And so coming down the pipeline, in fact, we will have an Ibogaine natural drug um, that is set to be distributed to clinics in Mexico. Um, Mm -hmm. We've also been working on uh, drugs extracted from uh, San Pedro cactus, uh, standardized Mm -hmm. in mescaline, um, but mm-hmm. we're also working on non psychedelic botanical drugs as well. So okay. we have a joint venture with a, a partner organization of ours called um, Jaguar health the the, the joint venture mm-hmm. is called Magdalena Bioscience. and this organization was set up to develop new botanical non- psychedelic drugs. and so right. the first candidate is a, is a, a widely known plant, um, which is known to be a stimulant. And so we are studying it as a, per, or a potential treatment for ADHD, which of course, you know, current therapies also are stimulants, but they're synthetic stimulants. And so we think that providing a natural one may have less potential for addiction and maybe, um, uh, you know, more better tolerated by the patient population. You know, we'll see.
1: Right, and Ben, um, this is a bit more just to add to all of that, and this is something that um, I, I of course learned from in your research, for in your research with filament as well, and that um, just with you know, like comparing it with setting and the natural is that that natural just has all these other substances that go with it that is probably been more beneficial to us because again these are natural we've been you know where it's designed to be consumed naturally whereas synthetic is just focused you know perhaps these natural options now are this natural uh psychedelic really is um uh that is why we're seeing these options as more these treatment options so to speak as more kind of like um a good option for other people um ben I'm I'm so interested. I, I, I'm kind I'm of kinda rambling here because um this is something that I, I am also again I resonate with. But I'd like to give you this opportunity, you know, to let the audience know anything else that you would like them to know. Um where can we connect with you? How do we find out more about Ben and Filament Health, and where can we find this product? (laughs) It's not (laughs) available yet, of course.
0: (laughs) So, definitely, our website has lots of good information. We regularly get featured in different newscasts. We were just featured recently on on Canada's national. uh, TV, uh, news broadcast. So go to, go to our website, look up our news section, sign up for our mailing list. Our mailing list, uh, will obviously keep you very informed about, about what's going on. Um, and access the product, you know, you can go look on clinicaltrials.gov for studies that we are sponsoring or that we are involved in. Um, and that's where, yeah, you'll be able to sign up to go into a clinical trial, um uh in Canada obviously people can request access to drugs via the special access program through their doctor. Um but uh but yeah, hopefully sooner rather than later we'll have approved filament drugs out on the market and uh people That's might fantastic. be able to uh get a prescription to them.
1: Right. I'd just like to repeat that. Um Ben, the clinical clinical.gov. What is that website?
0: Clinicaltrials.gov.
1: All right, clinicaltrials.gov for all our audiences and listeners out there. The website is also filament.health. Ben, am I correct? And again, um, Ben, thank you so much for your time. Are you are you in, on any uh socials? Where can are you most active? Where can we connect with you? Probably the company
0: is more active than I am. Probably so. Uh, so again, just just go to the company filament health. Connect to all our social channels uh, with filament.
1: All right. Fantastic. Ben, thank you so much for your wisdom. I am optimistic that there is a leader and a voice like you in this kind of field. And, you know, for all our listeners and audiences out there, make sure to check that out and we'll see you guys on the next one. Thank you so much. Bye, Ben. Bye. Wow. Okay. What do you think about that? All right, so here's the thing. We try to get a little bit better every day, but we can't do it without you. So if you like the video, make sure to like and subscribe below. And if you have any comments, just leave them in the space under.